0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: All right, yeah, I'm good. All right, we're
2: the, the most Let's do it. Welcome to Anything Is Pottable! The Boston Celtics Podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the guy, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, coming live to us from an airport I believe he's traveling to Atlanta to go watch the Celtics play. Jay King, how are you doing?
1: Where else would I be traveling?
2: I don't know. Maybe he just took a vacation. He wanted to go to um, the, the great Northwest, you know, really just get in touch with nature.
1: On my way to Atlanta, baby. On
2: his way to Atlanta to see the league's best defense. I say that with a little bit of hyperbole, but in the last seven games ever since the very emotional, not beneficial and not productive team meeting where the team broke bread, the Celtics have had, I think in terms of net rating, is it the best defense in the league? Um, they've been, uh, or in terms of defensive rating, the best uh, rating in the league, in terms of net rating, they've been the fifth best uh, team in the league. They've been five and two. Um, it hasn't always been a great basketball and the defense or in the offense Really doesn't look uh, great. It's actually they were 23rd over that seven-game stretch. But um, winning basketball games and doing it on the defensive end, I think it's been pretty impressive what they've been able to do, especially uh, considering that they're kind of ugly start.
1: Yeah, I mean, even this winning streak, if you want to call it that, they've won five out of seven, has been ugly, though, right? <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't been a pretty stretch. Um, the first Cavaliers game – Kind of a collapse. Offense went away. Just scored four, 15 points in the fourth quarter. So it's been kind of a an up and down start from the standpoint of the defense is exactly where Ime Odoko wants it to be. It has gelled together quickly. It has become cohesive, disruptive. It has been one of the best units in the league since a slow start. and But the offense is just non-existent. The shooting is still bad. Jason Tatum still hasn't gotten untracked. So there's a, a lot to kind of unpack here from a Celtics perspective, but that said, being seven and seven after the slow start they had, with some of the losses that they've had, and with Jalen Brown missing as much time as he had, I guess there you can be optimistic about that, um, but it's, the offense has still been gross. They, they've got a lot to figure out on that end.
2: What side do you think I'm going to come down on if it's going to be a level-headed response or just blind optimism?
1: I would guess you're going to be pretty hyped up about the defense.
2: <laughs> you're damn right, Jay King. I mean, I think before the season, we knew that like scoring, specifically shooting, was going to be an issue for this team. And it was basically going to rely on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown getting you points. And like the identity of the team, at least what we thought, was going to be a strong defensive team who's going to put you in a lot of games. You're absolutely right that it has not been um, pretty. Certainly the first game in Cleveland, huge collapse, especially uh, when the bench came in. And, and even now the offense just doesn't look um, fluid, especially uh, in the half court when they kind of really need a bucket. But the defense is there, the def- like and just holding teams to under 90 points points. Uh, is going to put you in a lot of basketball games and it makes it your margin for error that much bigger on offense. But over these last seven games, Jalen Brown's only played in two of them. And so I do think that's like a, a large reason for the defensive struggles, or I mean, offensive struggles. And for whatever reason, Jason Tatum just hasn't been Jason Tatum. Um I think he's been a little bit more consistent in terms of – um Effort And and I think he's done a little bit of a better job of going to the rim, but he's just not hitting shots that you would kind of normally think he would. And unless he's just his first three or four years in the career were complete aberration. I would have to think that he'd eventually kind of uh, get out of this funk. And as soon as he does that, if he's able, if like Jason Tatum is just performing at Jason Tatum levels and they have uh basically a top five defense. I think that's just a mighty good recipe uh, for like a top four team in the East this year. If you, if you can be the best defense in the East, or at least in the top five, that's going to put you in a lot of games. Then you really just need either Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown to show up on either night. And I think that's like how they're going to be able to um, win a lot of basketball games.
1: Yeah. and The offense, a strained offense is kind of what we expected. I think, um, because we've been talking about it from you know day one after this team was built, that they just don't have a lot of supporting shooting. And given the fact that Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard haven't really earned any significant roles and like you can say that they should play, but they haven't played well when given the chance. They both had chances. They're both shooting in the twenty percent. Um and so until those guys establish themselves as legitimate rotation pieces this team just isn't going to have a lot of supporting shooting um the two stats that i'm looking at right now regarding the the tough offense are the the net rating with Al Horford and Robert Williams on the court which has or the offensive rating rather which has been like 97.6 i think which is the equivalent of like the worst offense in the league. And that's given that they spend most of their time with the starting lineup with Jason Tatum, with Marcus Smart, with Jalen Brown when he's available, or Dennis Schroeder when he's not. Like, that was one area you looked at. Okay, are they going to be able to score points with with those two on the court? They haven't so far. And I still think it's been a pretty good look. The defense has been unbelievable with those two guys on the court. Um, But – like, that's that's where the offensive struggles begin, right at the beginning of the game. And then the other thing is the, the three-point shooting percentage, which is sub-33, which just is not going to cut it. Like, that's, that's not even good for a high school team. So those are the two things that really need to improve. Like you said, Jalen Brown has missed some time, but even before he was gone, they were, I think, 19th in offensive rating. And so – there's just a lot for the the offense to iron out. Um, it's great that they've played well defensively, and that has become their identity. And after last year when they were slipped all the way to 13th in defensive rating, like it's huge that they've quickly uh, responded to Ime Odoka and become the type of team that collects stops. But he he's got to figure out a way to to manufacture buckets, and part of it is just Tatum coming to life and making shots that he's made his entire career. But there's also like I feel like there's been stretches of every game where Udoka just plays like five guys who have no business playing together in an NBA basketball game. Um and so that's part of it too. I think there's just and it's like it's fine. He's he's choosing defense, he's choosing to grind out wins. He's kept Ennis Cantor on the shelf for the most part, who could probably juice the offense at least a little bit for the bench. Uh, we can talk about Ennis' like Minutes and some of the stuff he said on Twitter uh, a little later in the podcast, but they've got to figure out a way to juice the offense. And li- like Udoka said, like he was first committed to building a defense and now he's comfortable with where they are now. And and now it's going to be about, you know, building out the offense and and starting to actually get a, a free flowing attack because it just there's been stretches of every game where it's just been pretty gross.
2: Yeah, and I think like the first Cleveland game, Yudoka has used some pretty wild lineups, but I think it's also a uh, kind of a, a victim of of depth. Like that first Cleveland game, they were without Horford and Richardson. I don't know if he had to play Jabari Parker as much as he did, but like the the roster was certainly much shorter there. Um and it's gonna be interesting to see what he does moving forward. But I do think, um I don't know, like with Jalen on the bench or Jalen still hurt you pretty much are forced to ride with Dennis and Dennis man, that that guy's a roller coaster because he can score what 39 points against the bucks on Friday night and then be commit just some of the grossest turnovers uh, in those Cleveland games. But then also he was the kind of clutch go-to scorer down the stretch. And so it feels like I, like I don't know what else they do other than uh just tell guys to make shots and tell Jason Tatum to get better because like they're kind of limited by what personnel they have. And um, it's just like, I don't know. Like it feels like Tatum's like the ball movement hasn't been atrocious, at least in my mind. I just think they're just not, there's not a lot of shooting on this team. And so I don't know how it like gets that much better other than Jason Tatum just like, shooting like he normally does.
1: How do you, do you think they should play Ennis and, and at least give him a chance, um, given how, how much the bench specifically has struggled to score and how much the bench specifically has struggled in general, especially during some of the stretches when Udoka, like he says, he's going to stagger guys, but then a lot of games, he just leaves all his better scorers on the bench at the same time. Um, I feel like that's a perfect opportunity to just dust off Cantor and have him carry the offense for a little while.
2: Uh, I think Ennis has his moments. Like uh, last night, he came in and man, he, the guy can set a screen, like uh, setting screens left and right, just leveling people. I do think he has. Um, just inherent value on the offensive glass. Um, I really don't want to see any like post ups ran for him, but I think you can just run possessions of Ennis Cantor pick and roll with whoever you want. I think he's going to kind of create them open. I think it makes sense to kind of give him a chance. Um, but I think we also saw kind of the downfall of Ennis last night. Like he had what he ended up playing like 8 minutes in the game and I thought the first 4 minutes were like great Ennis minutes and then they kind of just he is so bad on defense and just like you can't move his feet at all that if you run a pick and roll at him it's going to be a wide open jump shot and especially when he's playing with Ennis the Ennis and Dennis combination is a spooky season because Dennis is not the uh, most physical of defenders i think it's it's going to be interesting um because i think one of the ways to kind of unlock the offense would be to probably stagger Horford and, um, Time Lord more just because so you can get more shooting out there. Um, I don't know. It's kind of surprising that Ennis is uh, not played, uh, up until this point. I don't think it was because he's speaking out. Uh, for a free Tibet, um, I don't necessarily th- uh, think that has an impact because there's a lot of players uh, on the team who are not playing. Um, I, I don't think Bruno Fernando is not getting any minutes because of his political views. Although, when you see Jabari Parker getting 20 minutes in that first Cleveland game, I, I understand why Ennis might have been upset.
1: Yeah, and and then the other part of it is that Udoka's excuse. I, not that I'm saying it has anything to do with the non basketball stuff because I don't think that's the case. But I also think his excuse that he just can't handle switching is not a good enough excuse. Like, you're the I mean, coach, He can't play defense whatsoever. Yeah. Like, he didn't but switch here, at all last night. Here's the thing two years ago, when Cantor was in Boston, he, I believe, he led the team in net rating or was very close to it because they picked the right spots for him, they put him in situations where he could thrive. And they played the coverages that basically hid him, and especially like you're playing against Cleveland. Your bench is depleted because of injuries in your starting lineup. You run out Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Nismith, Romeo Langford, Jabari Parker, and Gret Williams together. Why not throw an Ennis Cantor there? The Cle- Cleveland doesn't have super dynamic guards that are just going to torture him. Um, like that. That seems like a perfect. Matchup to put him in there, get some easy buckets, get some offensive rebounds, and just keep you afloat while your other guys are sitting, and you're stealing minutes for those guys. Like I feel like there's there's a way to utilize him that they have to find. I'm not like this Ennis Canter stand. I don't. He's clearly a flawed player, but so is everyone on their bench. And he's at least going to produce offensively. He's at least going to get offensive rebounds. Um, and I do think if, if they pick the right situations for him, that he can be a productive bench player. It's been kind of puzzling to me that that he hasn't played. Um, and I, I do get they're trying to work on switching. They're trying to really hammer home that identity before they kind of move on to other things. But it's it's just been weird that he hasn't. And then, then he gets in and does what he's always done and gets some buckets and flattens guys with screens and kind of gives the offense like – a floor that's higher than it would be otherwise. So that's one thing. It's not the, the biggest issue for this team at all, but th- that's one thing. Um, I do think he's just
2: has value in just setting screens. And that's based on like three plays from last night at the start of the fourth quarter. But it felt like he set some screens that allowed Tatum to just step into wide open threes. And if like, that's what it takes to get like Jason Tatum open shots, why not try it for like the, 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 uh, the start of the second and the start of the fourth quarter. Like I have in my notes, this has been really good canter minutes. And then like for the start of the fourth quarter, and then two minutes later, this canter charade has gone on too long. Like obviously there's a limit. <laughs> <laughs> there's a limit to how good he can be. And I think they're just trying to stretch him last night because they, um, Rob Williams, uh, had experienced some knee pain. And that's going to be interesting to see, um, how long he's out for and maybe cantor will get more minutes just because you're basically relying on Al Horford to be your starting center um but if you have two centers healthy I just like there's no harm in just these little short stints of cantor maybe he hasn't working maybe he's like a punching on the offensive glass um and so you're right I, I think it's it's why not try it because really the bench needs some sort of boost right now to, to be um, somewhat productive.
1: Yeah, we we've got a uh, question here from Ralph, or or a reaction, whatever, whatever the case. Ralph, the stage is yours. What's up, man? How's,
2: How's it going? going, Ralph? I'm good. How are you guys doing?
0: Good. 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 Well, I'm just gonna have an observation, honestly. Um, basically from what I'm seeing with the team, honestly, I just think they're still trying to figure things out. Honestly, I think they're still trying to figure out things defensively, even though they looked good and. I think offensively, one thing about Jason Tatum, I just think he's overthinking things right now. I just feel like he's not playing with any type of flu- uh, fluidity, with lack of a better term, honestly. I just feel like he's overthinking. Even with the last – there's a couple games with the last possession he's had the ball. I feel like he's he had – I think he's had a turnover with both times. And I feel like he's rushed a shot too, honestly. So, But I just think – I just think the team is just starting slow. But I feel like they look better this year than last year, just defensively, honestly, and with the togetherness defensively, honestly. They just look – they look good. On that side, but it was just an observation I
1: wanted to drop in. Appreciate it, Ralph. Yeah. T- to your point, my dad called me the other day, and he said, "Man, I forgot it was like to see defense. <laughs> like last year was just tough. There wasn't a lot of defense going on from the I'm back. Respect. I'm back. We lost Sorry. It for a second, Packers.
2: He lost me there. Uh, honestly, I think it. I don't know what is going on with Tatum. It does feel like their defense is uh, is figuring things out, but I still, season doesn't start till Christmas. Like it's, and there's been some nerds out there on the internet writing articles about when a small sample size gets big enough to really kind of figure out what the, the Celtics team is or what any NBA team is. And it's really after 20 games. So they're still kind of like below that threshold at seven and seven, where it's, it's really hard to make any kind of definitive claims. It does seem like they were trending in the right direction. Um, but I think I'm going to go. I think a caller said this last week. Uh, Tatum's just too strong. Uh, <laughs> he, he's just got too many muscles and he hasn't adjusted to the new, uh, shooting because I definitely think he's in his head. I, like, it's like, I don't think you can go th- this long in your career. Um, and he's been so successful in his career. And I don't think he's ever had like this stretch of games that he's been this bad of a shooter. Um, so I think he's clearly in his head, but he's taking the same exact shots that I feel like he's made con- pretty consistently throughout his career. They're just not dropping. Um I thought he did like some decent job of, of like actually trying to attack the rim in the, the last couple of games, but his three point. Sidestep three is just not there. His kind of just general mid-range, his kind of Kobe moves are just not falling. And he just like, whatever the opposite of being in the zone is, that's what he is. And I just don't, you, you got to shoot your way through it at this point. I don't know what the what the
1: solution is. Yeah, he's had some weird shots too that have missed by like miles. Like haven't even been close. And it feels like he's a, it's weird to say for, a star and somebody who's averaged, you know, twenty seven points per game, whatever it was, it feels like he's lacking confidence to some extent. Like he's he's not in that rhythm he was at the end of last season when he was scoring 50 60. He's not, you know, as as confident looking for his opportunities. And some of his opportunities are really difficult. It's a sidestep three. It's the the, you know, the two crossovers and fade away like all that stuff he can do and he can do it efficiently even uh, but he hasn't so far and I do feel like there's a little bit of lack of confidence there maybe still kind of getting to know the offense um I do think he's had even though his assist numbers are down he's he's been committed to trying to find the open man and a that's lot of been times, most of their offense is like Tatum drawing two
2: and I think he's been a Pretty good job of like when he hits the paint finding open shooters. It's just a lot of times failures are of
1: their offense too. Yeah. Because he's doing that. And there's so much, so many guys in the paint guarding him that it's like he kicks out to Grant Williams or he kicks out to Dennis Schroeder, like just not good shooters. And like they can make shots, they can make threes every once in a while, but teams are going to help off hit them crazy. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Celtics have been so inept at producing opportunities at the rim is because they just don't have the floor spacing. It makes it really tough on Tatum that every time he goes to the cup, like they're they are selling out to to force the ball out of his hands. And I think after the uh the first Cavaliers game, the one they lost, I think it was Darius Garland. He's like, yeah, we were going to do whatever it took to get the ball out of Tatum's hands. And that's what they did. And the Celtics don't always have a response for that because even when he makes a good pass on time it's just like there's not a lot of shooting out there and some nights it'll look good but other nights it'll be he's making the right pass clank he's he's making the right pass again brick and so i keep saying it but they've made it very difficult on him like this roster construction is going to force him to really earn his buckets this year especially the buckets are in the paint and the free throw attempts because it's not going to be like super spacing. Everyone's worried about the guys around him. Like, no, not, not at all. It's going to be, he's going through traffic and creating his way through contact and doing a lot of difficult things. I think the thing that's interesting and,
2: and I think the Celtics are still trying to figure this out and I don't think there's a clear answer, but, what do you think the closing five should be or like will be at this point? Because you mentioned kind of the offensive numbers with Horford and Robert Williams sharing the court together. I don't necessarily think that's like going to be the closing lineup um, because when you need a bucket, you just like kind of want more spacing. I Like really, those two guys have started a lot of games together and started halves, but they like that's not the closing lineup you go with. It feels like, uh, obviously, you're going to go with one of those two, and then you're going to have Jalen, Jason, and Smart also on the court. I don't know who that fifth guy necessarily is, and if you're giving something up to kind of try and get some offense, I don't know. Like, Dennis has been very good for the Celtics, but I just don't know if he is um, necessarily that guy just because, one, I think you can pick on him defensively. Two, he's a little turnover prone. And three, I think most importantly, he's just not – consistent enough of a three-point shooter. Um he's been, I think, decent. I don't know exactly what he's shooting um on well, the ear. My I want it to be Neesmith, but he can't like uh, crack the court. I think it's got it would like right now it's got to be Neesmith or Romeo. And I think both those guys are kind of uh are flawed, but you would want someone with their size who can, can be a Whig defender, um, who can knock down threes and provide that spacing. Romeo is shooting 47% from three right now, but that's also because he's only shot 19 threes. Um, and people are basically giving it to him. But I don't know. I think you want you would ideally you would have Neesmith uh, or Romeo emerge in that role, but um, neither of one, neither of them have really taken it. I mean, Neesmith has actually shot more threes this year than Romeo. He's shooting a, a solid 19%. I'm just looking at attempts right now. Grant Williams has shot 41% because he's kind of been in that role. Uh, I guess we'll call it that, that power forward role teams are begging for him, him to shoot threes. And he kind of got back on the horse a little bit. He's uh, made a couple in Cleveland, but he was not doing that well. I don't know what the answer is or who they really go to uh, down the stretch, but right now it kind of feels like it's Dennis by default.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's going to be Dennis and I think it should be Dennis. And you know, the first Cavaliers game, I thought showed the downside of closing with Romeo Langford. The Celtics wanted to pick on Jetty Osman, and to do that, they were putting Romeo Langford in the screening action time after time. Which, like, first of all, that's what the Cavs want. They want the least effective offensive player in the screening action every time because that's just a non threat. He's not going to do much. Even if he catches a ball, like, fine, whatever. Do do what you want to do. And then the other part of it is they were trying to hunt Osmond with, with Schroeder. So that meant Jason Tatum was doing nothing. He was standing on the side of the court just watching Schroeder try to get a good matchup and just watching Schroeder try to go to the paint. I, I think the offense down the stretch, and you've heard Marcus Smart say it, and he, he probably didn't say it as, as – well as he should have, but he's like, Yeah, I was standing in the corner watching other guys like try to go ISO. And and then Al Horford in the after the last Cavaliers game said kind of a similar thing, which is that like they need to switch it up in crunch time. They can't always just be trying to pick on one player and go ISO with one player. Like it worked against Milwaukee. It worked great against Milwaukee. Dennis Schroeder Toasted Bobby Portis, but it's not always going to work. And I think like having five threats in the lineup, like so that if you are trying to pick on a guy, it's not Romeo Langford in the action. That's important. Um, whether it's Schroeder, smart, smart is a threat. He's a threat with the ball in his hands, even though you know he's he's not a great shooter. He, teams at least have to account for him. Um, so I I just think with Schroeder out there, they're a lot more dynamic. And they, they have to figure out how it, how it works, uh, especially in crunch time. Their crunch time offense has been bad. But I just think having that threat and ha- when you have Tatum and Brown um, and Smart and Schroeder, like those are four guys who can put it on the floor, who are athletic and who can beat you in a lot of different ways. And then the other part of it is like, I don't know if Al, Al Horford should always be on the bench in crunch time. It seems like that's – the way they're leaning is giving robert williams the crunch time minutes most of the time and robert williams like he's clearly dynamic but i don't know if that should be the case every time i think al some nights should should get those minutes too
2: al's a lot better at moving the ball and it's interesting to see the offense with al just like as the one center versus the offense with rob because rob obviously gives you the vertical spacing, the lob threat, and like, I guess maybe pinches in more and gives you, um, kind of like, I guess more shooting, uh, or just because people have to worry about him, and people will be more open in the corners. But Al can really, and I know Rob's very good at passing the ball. Um, but I think, I guess just trust Horford's facilitating and playmaking more often and his three point shooting. He's not shot, uh, great from three this year. Um, but like I think you just like a pick and pop. I think we saw Tatum do that a number of times, just quick passes to Horford off the pick uh, um, that worked out pretty well last night. I would like to see Horford's uh, three point shooting get over uh, 20%, but it's gonna be interesting. <laughs> Have you heard any updates on uh, Robert's knee because the stinging and a sharp pain uh, did not sound good?
1: No, I haven't. Um- doesn't sound great, especially when it's with Robert Williams, who's had such a long history of injuries. Uh, it's kinda not not ideal. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how, how it impacts him. He's been pretty durable, with the exception of that this season. He's played a lot of minutes and maybe, you know, that's that's gonna be tough on him longer term. Um but the Celtics are loading him up with minutes. They're using him as like what the best it, 30, defender, yeah. <laughs> 31, 32 minutes. So th- they're really kind of stretching his body, I guess. Um, and hopefully it'll hold up. Hopefully he'll be fine. Hopefully this will just be a scare. But you do wonder if if they should be putting all these minutes on Robert Williams. Especially they don't have to. They could play Cantor some minutes. They could play Horford more minutes. They they don't have to load him up with as many minutes as they do. Obviously they know more about his body than than I do. They know... You know, they they get reports from him. They get reports all the time. Um, But to me, like him playing 32-ish minutes a game, that's a lot. That's on the high end. And I know they've played a lot of overtimes that have kind of skewed that a little bit. But I think they should probably consider at least um, toning that down a little bit to keep him healthy for the long term.
2: Yeah, it's, they, because they certainly need him and he's been productive and it will see if he misses any games, how well the Celtics do kind of in his absence and if that means bigger minutes for more players. The thing that's interesting, at least to me about the Cleveland game was I was kind of surprised to see both Richardson and Horford miss it. Richardson has missed an, um, Another back-to-back, I think, uh, earlier in the year against Miami. Horford missed a back-to-back earlier in the year against Charlotte. Is this just like a policy for some of the vets where they're just going to kind of not play a number of guys uh, on the second night of back-to-backs? Because right now, I don't know if their depth has enough to just kind of uh, sustain that. And yes, that can be construed as me saying good things about Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson said some pretty solid games over the last uh last week um, just making some clutch buckets and his defense has been good I'm coming around on Richardson enough that I just don't want him sitting on the second night of back-to-backs I get it's a long season it's probably an overreaction um, if that's what it's going to take to kind of get them to be healthy but um, like the bench lineups we saw in the first Cleveland game were really not great and like are they just handicapping themselves by like not playing the vets on the second night of back-to-backs
1: Uh, We've got Brandon. He's been waiting to ask a question or or chat with us for a long time. So, Brandon, welcome to the stage, man. Bro, I think – oh, there he is.
2: Brandon. What's good? Can y'all hear me? Yes, Yes, sir. sir. Hey, what's up? So, first off, just want to say I appreciate the work y'all do covering our beloved Celtics. But uh, just a couple observations I have about the bench. One, I just got to give props to Grant Williams because – I, I I wasn't like a Grant Williams hater, but like it's night and day with him right now. He's not excellent, but he's filling his role. He's a small ball center. He's doing his thing. And then the other thing um, I just wanted to catch your thoughts on, um, I don't understand for the life of me why Peyton Pritchard isn't getting more minutes, especially when Josh Richardson is. I know he's better at defense, but I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on those two things. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brayden.
1: Thoughts on Grant and Peyton, J.K.? Yeah, I think the Pritchard thing is, I think at the beginning of the season, they wanted to make it work, Um, even though he's a weird fit with Dennis Schroeder. And then Pritchard just hasn't – honestly, he hasn't played well. He hasn't shot the ball well. He hasn't shot the ball a lot. He hasn't looked confident. Um, I think he entered the last Cavaliers game scoring 6.5 points per 36 minutes, which is almost impossible. Like, I could probably score 6.5 points for 36 minutes. And so he's kind of hasn't played his way into that role. And I do think he's his shooting is would be helpful. I do think there will eventually come a time when he enters the rotation and the Celtics need him, whether it's because of injuries or whatever. Um, But I'm not going to blame Udoka for not playing a guy who really hasn't done much with his chances so far. Maybe it's the mask. Maybe it's the mask. He's ditched the mask now. But I do think like I'm not ready to criticize Udoka for not playing Pritchard or Neesmith when they've been given some chances and haven't really come through with them. I do think, though, Udoka has often played those guys together, like played a bunch of the young guys together, played them with Jabari Parker, played them with Grant Williams in lineups that have no chance. And I do think they should probably consider giving Pritchard more time with Tatum, with Smart. With guys who could use his spacing and can find him open for threes, and um, I think he he's a better piece around those guys than he is in a bench lineup without much production otherwise. Um, but what was the other for, point? For, uh, we'll talk about Grant was the other question,
2: but for Pritchard, I think like. It's got to be difficult for him because I think this is probably the first time in the career where he hasn't had a consistent role. And I think that's one of the things like that younger guys in the NBA have to learn is like how to kind of be your most effective when uh at any time. And you don't necessarily know when you're getting minutes, because even in his rookie year, the Celtics had so many injuries that he was basically playing 20, 25 minutes a game and he knew he was going to get in. It feels like this year, you don't know if Pritchard's going, like, he doesn't know when he's going to play. And you're right. And when he does play, it feels like he's got, uh, kind of exclusively playing with the bench unit. And so I don't think he's, uh, like, being very comfortable and he's just not making, uh, kind of the deep threes we saw him make, um, in summer league. And so it'd be nice to get him going, but I also, like, I agree with you. That it's like not imperative to kind of, Get get Peyton Pritchard to become comfortable. It's kind of on Pritchard to kind of figure out how to make an impact with his limiter role and kind of earn his minutes. Um, as for Grant, he's been just pretty solid, just making plays. Uh I think he's just a, like a solid backup four. Man, it feels a lot better when he's knocking down threes because... Basically, teams are just going to let Grant Williams shoot. He looks a li- he's a little three happy. Like it feels like he's was clearly working on his three all offseason. He and was so launching
1: against the Cavs.
2: He's a little eager to show it off. Um, But I do. I think he's just been better, and he's like a serviceable three point shooter now. Which. Like, it's just so much better for him and the Celtics. Uh, And so if he can be – he still seems to be quite streaky, but if he can be an actual 40% three-point shooter, that's huge. And I think he's going to get a lot more minutes moving forward if that remains the case.
1: The key thing for me, one of the key things, is he's just not fouling nearly as much. Like, that was actually a big issue for him. He was having moving screens. He was hacking people in the bonus. He was just – putting people to the line regularly or contributing to putting teams in the bonus early in quarters. And now he's not doing nearly as much of that. Like that, that's a big piece. Um, So that's, that's a huge advancement for him and something that allows him to, to play more minutes and, and allows the Celtics defense to stay away from the bonus, keep, keep guys off the line. I think that's a pretty big deal. Um. As and obviously the three point shooting, like that's pretty obvious. If he can do that, and if guys can eventually actually guard him, like he teams still haven't decided. Okay, we need to guard Grant Williams yet, but maybe one day he'll get there.
2: It's gonna be such a huge thing once uh, Jason Tatum plays with players who uh, the team wants to guard, and like he can just play one on one basketball. I think that's the key to unlocking Jason Tatum. I th- do you think a lot of our talk about the offensive struggles. It's really hard to judge this team when Jalen Brown is not playing. And I, so like, there's clearly the first seven games of the year when they were more healthy. Um, and things had really not, they hadn't like, like figured things out and it's kind of was kind of ugly. Then they have the productive, uh, breaking of the bread and the defense kind of locks in, but I like Jalen Brown's their second best player and he's going to be the guy who provides the second most offense to the team. And, I think, like, I don't think his, his return to the offense was going to make the defense any worse. Um, although there are some Jalen defense haters out there who say he's awful off ball, but I don't think it's going to be uh, a terrible hit to the defense. And so, um, I think having him on the court will probably benefit Jason Tatum. But right now, especially with Jalen Brown not on the court, you can just see like every single team's, uh, defense. Is basically just pack the paint and get the ball out of Tatum's hands. And so it's not too surprising that he's like not getting like the easy looks, especially at the basket, because, you know, teams are just loading up to have him not do that. And so um, I think Jalen Brown coming back will maybe kind of alleviate some of the pressure on Jason Tatum, make it a little bit easier for him to score. Um, And then maybe that's when we can like kind of fully evaluate this team is like when we get, you know, a solid 10 games of a, a just a fully healthy team, you know, playing at, uh, uh, I don't know, my sentence ran out there. I didn't have a conclusion to it. Just 10 games of healthy, uh, healthy Celtics basketball before we have like kind of full takes about who this team is offensively and defensively.
1: In the meantime, we'll have not full takes.
2: Oh no! We'll still have takes, and they'll be full takes. They just um, take them with a grain of salt uh, because they are uh, not enough information at this point. The season doesn't start till Christmas. Any take made before Christmas is null and void in my book. We're not going to stop making them, but uh, it doesn't mean they're uh, they're they're great.
1: I think that's. I'm just speaking for my. I'm just speaking for myself here. When you have a podcast about the Celtics, I think that's a very bad claim. You should not say that your takes are useless until Christmas. Because um, then people will stop listening.
2: Agree to disagree. I don't think um, people are tuning in for my basketball prowess. You're the uh, professional basketball journalist here. Um, but you got to go. We, uh, you're down to get into your flight. Um, and so is flying to Atlanta to see the Celtics play the Hawks, Jay? Do you think that's potable? I guess it is. I would agree. I would say anything is (laughs) potable. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, We'll probably do another one of these on Thursday. We'll try to do better about letting you guys know when they're uh, happening. But thanks for joining. Subscribe to The Athletic. And uh, we'll talk to you after the Hawks game.